shell is what the Lord has called me to do. And again, I know that that's too, that's too big for me as an individual. But I serve a God who's bigger than that vision and who's given me that vision. And I believe that faithful is he who has called me who also will do that. And so continue to pray for me. And um, I, 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 definitely, I definitely need it. Um, if you turn your Bibles this morning to uh, Joshua 3, Joshua 3, 5, and 6. And I want to uh, bring a message this morning called Standing on the Banks of Jordan. Standing on the Banks of Jordan. You know, I got excited this morning with all the kids running down here, you know. I thought we were having a revival even before the service started. I was like, wow, this is awesome. People are wanting to get... Oh, okay, so they're going down to Children's Church. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but it's, it's good to have a, a church that has a lot of young people. That's amazing. And uh, that's, that's not everywhere. And so I, I think that's just very cool. It shows that there is life in this place. And uh, I'm very excited for you guys. You know, it's exciting to see a building that's almost packed out. Wow. God is, has been go- so good to you guys. And uh, pray, praise God for this place. And uh, it's a lighthouse in this community. And I was very excited about it. Let's just open up in a word of prayer uh, before we jump into the message. Dear Lord, I am just so thankful uh, for uh, your word, Lord. I'm thankful for this opportunity to be able to preach to your people. And again, Lord, I sense my weakness, um, and I need you to meet with us, and I need you to fill me with your spirit and to guide my words and to meet needs, Lord. Um, you have, again, you have um, everybody figured out here in this room. You know all of our spiritual state. Lord, you know who's saved, you know who's not, you know who's struggling, you know who's discouraged, you know who's encouraged. Lord, I just pray that you would help me uh, in what I share to meet the needs that are represented here. I need you, Lord, and I thank you that if if we call and we ask anything according to your will, you will do it. I pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. On May 26, 1941, there was a large force of soldiers, and they were from several different nations. They were from England, they were from the United States. Actually, they weren't from the United States. They were from uh, Canada, uh, uh, France. Uh, there was a, a group of, of soldiers, and they attacked uh, a place called Dunkirk. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Dunkirk, but Dunkirk was a, um, a, an attempt for the Allies to establish a presence on the mainland of England and to really drive out the, the Germans. And uh, they, had, they had a lot of momentum going into it, and there was a lot of you know, excitement, as there is on, on some sort of attack like that, uh, going into it. And they thought, you know, that we've got this. But as the attack progressed, and as time went on, it became very clearly evident very shortly that it was not going to go the way they thought it was. You see, the German resistance was way stronger than what they had initially thought. The reconnaissance had been bad. And very soon, the tides had turned, and it looked as though the Allied forces were going to be driven back into the sea. Terrifying. You know, you, you go into an attack like that, I can just imagine being a soldier like that. You know, a young man, uh, maybe 16 years old, and he's there with his, his friends, and man, he's, he's scared, but he's excited, and, and he, he thinks that they've got it, and they, they go out, and they get pushed back, and it looks as though uh, it's impossible, and that all hope is lost. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been in an impossible situation? You know, you look at uh, the different things that are happening today, you look at the different uh, ways that the world seems to be turning against God and, and the church and, and us as his people, and you might say, well, it kind of looks like a bit of an impossibility for us to go forward with the gospel. Ever thought that before? You know, you probably wouldn't say that, right? 
You know, if you stood up and said, you know, I don't think the gospel works today. You know, people would say, oh, I don't think that person's exactly right. You know, but sometimes we think of that in our heart, right? You say, ah, oh, I don't think that, I think we're kind of on the losing side. We wouldn't say that, but I think sometimes that's where we're at. But I want to tell you this morning that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the impossibilities appear to be, God wants his church to move forward. And he wants us to move forward in two ways. He wants us to move forward with purity of heart and with faith-filled obedience. And I believe that if God's people will move forward with purity of heart and with faith-filled obedience, we're going to see victory. We're going to see the gospel go forward. We're going to see um, the hope of uh, the light of Jesus uh, transform lives. And I sincerely believe that. And I don't just believe that because it's just some hope that I have, you know, just disconnected from anything. It's what the Bible teaches. And that's what I want to share this morning. Um, the summer of 2019, and it was really just a time of incredible spiritual growth in my life. Uh, God taught me some things that were just very encouraging. And, um, you know, there was, there was times where, um, it seemed as though God was so close, uh, I could just reach out and touch him. That, it just seemed like he was just so close to me. And, and it was a, just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And, and you know, the, I believe that that's what God wants for all of us. He wants us to be able to be close to him. And uh, during, the, during that uh, time, during that summer, uh, there was a couple of just incredible things that happened. Um, and I want to share a, a story this morning. So uh, I was a part of the, the, this uh, um, organization called the Cola Clash. Now, the Cola Cl Clash is a three-night competition for teens. It's an organization where, we, where you go out, and um, there's two team captains. There's the captain of the, uh, the Coke team and the captain of the Pepsi team, and then there's a girl captain for one team and a, guy, a girl captain for the other team. And uh, so there's a total of four team captains, and they go out, and they invite people out to this event. And the idea is, is that you get, you find as many kids as you possibly can, you recruit them for your team, you, you invite them out, they go to the rally, they have a, a great time playing games, and then there's a skit, and then there's free food, and there's trivia, and it's just an amazing time. And the goal is to see uh, kids trust Christ as Savior. And um, that's kind of an impossibility, you know what I mean? How, you know, uh, how, how are you going to, how is this going to happen? Well, it's something that God has to do. And we were well aware of that uh, as we, as we went out. And I remember uh, I was in Memphis, Tennessee that summer uh, for, for one of the meetings. And we pull up to, um, I believe it's Eastside Baptist Church there in Memphis, Tennessee. We get out of the vehicle and I look around and I think, there is, uh, <laughs> there's nobody here. How are we going to do a, how are we going to do an outreach when there's no kids around? And I remember um, going downstairs into, into the basement of the church, and we had a short prayer meeting, and we just cried out to the Lord. You know, it wasn't anything, you know, absolutely incredible. It wasn't like this, like, big, you know, ceremony or something like that. It was just us getting desperate before God and saying, God, unless you show up, uh, we're sunk. We need you to do a powerful work here. And so we walked away from that and, you know, and then started the next day. We started our recruiting process the next day. And so I remember going out, and there was a couple kids here and there, and I went across the street from the church, and, and there was a school there. 
And as I got closer to the school, I noticed that there was some music coming from the school. And now it's the summertime, and I kind of expected that nobody would really be there, but there was people there. And so I walked into the, the, the school. I found my way to the gym where the music was, was coming from. And uh, I walk into the gym, and um, I mean, the place is just alive with kids. Just there's tons of teenagers running around. The music's loud, and it's, it's making everybody crazy, and everybody's just running around. I'm like, whoa. And then I begin to think, I thought, you know, I wonder if maybe this is what God, maybe this is God's answer to prayer here. So I, I, I walked over to the guy who was leading out. It turned out it was a boys and girls club. And I said, hey, you know, my name's Will. And I'm, a, uh, I'm with this organization. I'm a team captain with uh, the Cola Clash. It's his three-night competition for teens. We got this gigantic four-foot by four-foot ball. It looks like a beach ball on steroids. We use it for a couple things. We use it for basketball. We use it for volleyball. And, oh, there's this other thing, too. Uh, we got spoke tackle. Spoke tackle is America's roughest race, where you can body check, tackle, trip, push, shove, fly tackle, slide tackle, arm drag, hip toss, like a boss, just about anything goes. And I just gave him this whole spiel that we give to the kids. And, um, and he, you know, he's listening and he says, oh, you say it's, uh, it's a church event. And I said, yeah, it's a church event. He said, well, you know, I would absolutely love for these kids to hear about Jesus. You know, I'm a pastor at a local church here and, and I would love these kids to know about Jesus. And I, I was just like, what? You know, I, I, I was amazed. But do you know what that was? That was God being factored into an impossible, impossible situation. It gets better. So he said, here's what I'll do. I'll shut down the music. I'll give you a microphone. You can tell these kids whatever you want. And I said, all right, sounds good. And so that's what he did. He shut off the music and uh, he gave me a microphone and I invited these kids out to that event. And they, there was a ton of them that signed up there. And they were all excited and they were telling their friends about it. And from that point on, the momentum changed because God was factored into an impossible situation. That uh, rally, those three nights, turned out to be the largest rally of the summer. We saw over 100 kids out at the rallies. And I believe um, we saw, oh, I forget how many kids, but I remember praying exactly for one of the nights, praying for 14 kids to trust Christ as Savior. We prayed specific, specifically for that number. And I remember counting it up at the end of that night, and there was 14 kids to the number who had trusted Jesus as Savior. It gives you the chills, stuff like that. Why? Because it's heaven touching earth. It's a miracle happening. And you realize that it's not you, it's not your event, it's not your you know, cool thing that you got going on. It's God actually doing a miracle before your very eyes. And those are sacred moments. Have you ever had moments like that? Ever had an answered prayer that can't be described any other way? I mean, it was a miracle. You know, You prayed for something specific and boom, it happened exactly like that. Those are sacred moments. Those are moments that will change your life. Those are moments that will change your kid's life. Those are moments that changed my life. God did that so many times, things like that throughout that summer. It was God being factored into impossible situation. You know, before that um, uh, rally or before that uh, tour started, um, there was something that God did in my heart. And I think that this was very important for not just me, but for all of the team members on that tour. I made a commitment that I was going to be pure in heart. What did that mean? That meant that that wasn't a commitment to perfection. I couldn't, I can't be a perfect Christian. How many of you can be a perfect Christian? Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm in good company here. Um, but I made, a, I made a commitment, Lord, you know, if I do something wrong, I'm going to you and I'm going to get this right. I'm not going to wait 
I want to be pure before the Lord. I want to be a channel of God's grace to God's people. Or to the people here, I need God's blessing on my life. I made a commitment to that. And I believe that generally as, as a team, that's what we made the commitment to. We were going to be like that. And number two, I made a commitment to obedience. God, if you put a teenager in my path, I'm going to go after that teenager and I'm going to, I'm going to invite them out. I'm going to do, even though it looks as though this might be an impossibility, I'm going to believe that you are working in this situation and I'm, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe God. So there was a commitment to purity of heart and a commitment to faith-filled obedience from our team. And I believe that that's something that's actually very, very important if you're going to move forward with your Christian life. You see, God blesses pure purity of heart. It says, blessed are the pure in heart. That's one of the things that are in the, um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is actually directed to God's people. It's directed to the disciples. And if you're a, a, a saved here today, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart. God blesses that. You know, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know, if you, if you, if you foster and you say, you know what? I want this sin more than I want God. Do you know what you're doing? You're basically putting up a wall. You know, it says your sins have separated you from you and your God, so he cannot hear you. And it's so important for us to maintain that purity of heart. It's also important to have that faith-filled obedience. Purity of heart and faith-filled obedience will result in victory even in impossible situations. And that's what the Bible teaches us. Um, you know, I want to draw your attention to another time and place when the people of God were faced with an impossible situation. Let's go to the book of Joshua here. Um, it says here, uh, let's go to Joshua 3, um, and we're going to read um, Joshua 3 all the way down to verse, Joshua 3, 5 to verse 16. Here's what it says. It says, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so, will, will I, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive, out, drive from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the uh, Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore, therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the water of Jordan, and the waters, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents and pa to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, 
And they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. What an incredible moment. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? I know I would have. Man, uh, there's just some epic stuff that happens uh, in the book of Joshua, which is why I love it so much. I would love, I would absolutely love to be there. You know, I hope God actually gives us the ability to kind of go back in time and to watch what actually happened. I mean, talk about epic, you know what I mean? Like incredible stuff. But I see here, number one, I see a promise of victory. Number one, a promise of victory. Um, you know, I see a conditional promise of victory. Here's what it says. It says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Um, you know, I believe that the book of Joshua and really the whole conquest of Canaan is really, it's, it's, there's some lessons for us to be learned within this book. Um, you know, it, it actually tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, now these things happened unto them for and samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So here's what God's saying in the New Testament. He's saying, okay, you remember all that stuff that I did back there? Yeah, like those amazing miracles, like the crossing of the River Jordan, those different things. Yeah, there's some things for you to learn from that. In other words, God wants us to look back and say, okay, so these people, they learned some things, they did some things, and we need to learn from them. I believe that the victories of faith that they saw uh, during that time are things that we can look at and say, oh, you know what? Those are, that's something we can learn. I believe also that there's lessons for us to be learned from the defeats that they saw, the defeats of unbelief. There's lessons all throughout this book, which is why I think that we can look here at, at the book of Joshua and see some lessons for us right now in our daily life. So Joshua gives a promise. He says, sanctify yourselves. For on the morrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. No, you know, Joshua was saying something very specific here. You know, it wasn't going to work for the children of Israel to just expect that, you know, if they did whatever they wanted, you know, they were going to cross over the River Jordan. No, no, God was saying, you need to make sure that you're right with me. It's very important. And I believe that there's something for us to learn there as well. Uh, Joshua tells the people, he says, sanctify yourselves, uh, for on the morrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Um, and I believe that this principle, this principle of a conditional promise is something that can be seen all throughout the book of Joshua. Um, do you remember when uh, Joshua takes over? Remember when Joshua takes over from Moses? Remember that story, right? Um, he, he says something to Joshua. He says, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. What's God saying there to Joshua? He's saying, okay, I want to bless you. I want you to do this well. But here's the thing, you're going to have to do it my way. You're going to have to be right with me, Joshua. He says, um, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. In other words, God is saying to Joshua, okay, if you want to be successful, and Joshua's like, yeah, I want to be successful. Could you imagine the pressure that was on, his, on him? 
that moment? Like, I mean, you literally have a bunch of people just like out in the wilderness, like millions of people out in the wilderness and you're the guy, right? You're leading them through the wilderness. Like pressure beyond like the CEOs today, like of, I don't know, Apple or whatever. I mean, they have a lot of pressure on their life, right? But like, I'm telling you, like everybody can see you. They're looking at your life. You're like living life before them. You know what I mean? And people are like, okay, so what are we going to do next? You're like, so Joshua, he definitely wanted to do this right. And God's saying, okay, don't worry. I'm going to be with you. But here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that you're doing this my way. It's very important. And I think that there's something there for us as well. You know, if the, if the children of Israel would be su- successful in uh, possessing the land, they must be holy, set apart, sanctified, devoted, not turning from the right hand, to the right hand, not turning to the left hand. They had to be obedient. They had to observe what God wanted them to do. That's very important. And he turns that into an action step that we saw in chapter three. Sanctify yourselves. For on the morrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. You know, um, this, this principle can also be seen in... Um, the defeated AI in Joshua chapter six. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm not, I'm not gonna actually quote uh, the exact thing, but um, you know, there was, there was this incredible victory that happened, right? Jericho, the walls come tumbling down. How many of you have sung that song? Joshua hit the battle of Jericho. I loved that when I was a kid. That was like a favorite of mine. And so anyway, they march around the walls. The walls come tumbling down and there's just, it's electric. They're just excited. God has done something that's just absolutely incredible. And I would, again, I would love to have been there and love to have seen that. But there was a commandment that God said. He gave it very specifically to the people. He said, don't touch any of the spoils here. Those are mine. um, And those are gonna be, those those are an offering unto me. Don't touch them. And there was a guy, uh, his name was Achan. Remember Achan, right? So Achan says to himself, he says, you know, I don't think if any, I don't think anybody's really gonna miss this nice Babylonian-ish garment here over in this trashed, you know, suit shop. And he goes and grabs that and he puts that in his backpack. You know, and he goes a little, you know, maybe it's out, he's out at night and he really shouldn't be. And he's out there and he just, he sees, oh, there's some, there's a talent of silver over there. And he sees it by the bank and, grabs that, and he puts that in his pack. And, and he thinks that nobody knows, right? Oh, pff, nobody, know, nobody knows what I'm doing. You know, he looks pretty good in front of everybody. You know, sometimes that's kind of how we are, right? You know, we, we, we do things behind our authority's back. Maybe teenagers, you do that. You know, you do that behind the boss's back. You do that behind your wife's back or your husband's back. And you think that, you think that nobody knows. You think that you're fine. And, you know, you come into church and, you know, you're dressed up and you got your big smile on. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're ready to go. And, and there's things in your heart that you know are not right. And you're kind of just kind of running cover for yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? Ever been there before? I'm not saying this because it's like some hypothetical thing. I'm saying I've been there before in my life. And it's a hard place to be. You know, there's freedom in honesty, friends, in transparency. You're never going to get help with what you're struggling with if you're always hiding. It's super important for us to be transparent with God and with others. You want to end the depression that's in your life? You want to stop feeling down and discouraged? Get honest. Get honest with the sin that's going on in your heart. Get to help. Find somebody that you can trust who will lift you up and will say, hey, I'm here for you, bro. 
I'm not perfect either, but I can help you. Uh, Let's do this together. It says a threefold cord is not broken easily. I'm paraphrasing that. But it's so important for you to get honest, to get open, and to get friends in your life who will help you. You know, that's what the church is supposed to be. A band of brothers and sisters fighting for each other. It's a family. That's what it's actually supposed to be. You know, sometimes we look at it as being like a place where we can kind of parade how spiritual we are. I mean, you come in. Oh, yes, I'm very spiritual. And I don't need any help. I've got all my issues figured out. And um, wow, you have issues? I don't. I mean, stop. You know, stop it, please. You know what I mean? If that's kind of what you're thinking, don't be that way. Be open and honest. Get some help. Let people know what's going on. Bear one another's burdens. And be okay if, uh, on the bearing part. Be open and honest and also be bearing burdens. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's a family of God's people working together for the good of one another, fighting for each other. That's uh, so important. But that's not what Achan did. You know, no, he hid. He hid his sin. And you know what, what the result was? Well, they, they went on to, uh, uh, to the next place and there's still some momentum going on, right? Like there's still some excitement among the church, the, not the church, the, the children of Israel. They looked at what God had just done over at, uh, at Jericho and they're thinking, we're totally gonna do that in this next place as well. And so they go in and Joshua's like, you know what? We don't even need to take as many troops. Let's just take this place down and everybody, you guys can have a break. And so they go out there and they get absolutely destroyed. And do you know what it was? There was sin in the camp. God said, do it my way. I'm gonna bless you. There's gonna be no soldiers that will die. Every place that your feet touch, that's gonna be your possession. But what they did is they didn't follow God's way. And so they were defeated because of it. Oh, there's a lesson for us there, brothers and sisters. There is a lesson there for us. We need to make sure that we sanctify ourselves and we are right with God. Ever felt as though like your prayers are just kind of hitting the ceiling? Ever been there before? Or you're praying and it's just like, and then you don't, you don't sense that closeness like you once had? Could it be, now that sometimes there's other explanations for it, but could it be that there's something between your soul and the Savior today? You know, I love that old song, that hymn. Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. You know what we do when we sin against God? It's like we put up a wall between him and us a little bit. And so we don't stop being saved, right? Because, you know, there's that relational aspect who we are. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you ask Jesus Christ to be your savior, if there's somebody here who's doubting their salvation, if you ask Jesus Christ to be your savior, you're saved and that can never be taken away from you. Mark it down, that's in the Bible. But sometimes what happens is we allow there to be something between our soul and the savior. There's that lack of peace in our hearts. You know, uh, maybe it's something that you looked at this week. Maybe it's something that you drank this week. Maybe it's something that you smoked this week. Maybe it's, I don't know what, what's going on in your life. I mean, you, you guys look like great people here. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. You know, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just something that you took. You know, you thought nobody was looking. You thought nobody knew. And you just kind of took, you know, there's some money that was laying out. Nobody's going to miss it. I'll just take it. Marking your timesheet wrong. That's theft, essentially, is what it is. I don't know what it is, 
But if there's something between your soul and the Savior, I'm telling you, you need to get it right. Not because God's gonna bonk you on the head or something like that. That's not how he operates. I'm sure, sure he does chasten you, but he chastens us so that he can bring us back to that warm embrace. See, he's a good, good father. He's a good father. Satan wants to tell you, oh no, no, God, God, he, he, he wants to make your life miserable. That's why he's put all these rules in the Bible, actually. He's trying to make, mess up your life, trying to steal your joy. That's what he's trying to do. Don't listen to him. Listen to the one who actually loves you. Listen to the one who gave his only son for you. You know, it says this, if you love, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love Jesus today? Do you love him? Just consider what he has done for you. You know, he literally took your eternity, the eternity of hell that you deserved upon himself and he died in your place. Wow rescued you. He actually bought you back with his own blood. Literally, he spilled blood for you. That's what your savior did for you. He deserves a lot of your love. He deserves all of your love. He deserves your life. And not only that, but he offers you a joy-filled life. It says, in my presence is fullness of joy. When you're following God and you're walking with him and miraculous things are happening, I'm telling you guys, that's a good life. And that's what God wants for you here today. He doesn't want it to be a drag. He doesn't want your Christianity to be a drag. He wants your Christianity to be something that's joy-filled, something that you want to share with others, something that you kind of can't contain because God is just showing up left and right. And you're like, man, I've got to give this to somebody else because it's amazing. And God is transforming my life. Remember when you asked Jesus Christ to be your savior, the joy that filled your heart? Wow, I'm... I'm saved. I'm forgiven. This is amazing. Get that joy back. Get close to God. Walk with him and see God do incredible things in your life. And, and that's what God has called us to do. You see, we can't move forward unless we have the blessing and power of God on our lives. That's why God says that we need to sanctify ourselves. He does the, he does the work. There's a beautiful passage. I mentioned it this morning. If we confess our sins, yes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Faithful, do you know what that means? He always does it. Just, what does that mean? He has the right to do it. So he's faithful, he's gonna do it all the time and he's just and he has the right to do it. When you get before the throne of God and you say, God, I've been wrong, please forgive me, boom. That wall is knocked down and you're in that closeness of fellowship. Oh man, what a wonderful thing. That's supposed to be normal Christianity, friends. That closeness of your walk. You know, I had a... a um, a pastor several years ago say something and it stuck with me. I probably was 14 years old when he said it, but it stuck with me. I mean, that was a long time ago. <laughs> it's, he said, basically, make sure that you keep short accounts with God. Amen. So important. Keep the way clear. Daily. When you do your devotions, when you wake up in the morning, God, and, 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 and be aware of what's going on in your heart. Be aware of the drift. You know, it's so natural for us to drift away from God. Be aware of it and confess your sin. Get it right with God. So there was that promise of victory. If they wanted to go forward, if they, do you want to be a channel of God's grace today? If they wanted to be where God wanted them to be, crossing that river, they needed to make sure that their hearts were right. 
And we, as God's people, we need to make sure that God, our, we have a, a right relationship with God, that we're close and there's nothing between our soul and the Savior. Is there something in your life today that you need to deal with? I don't know what it is. I don't have to know. Holy Spirit, right now, he's knocking on the front door and he's saying you need to get rid of that. You need to deal with that. You need to get rid of those things. Get them out of your, your life and bring me close to you. You know, here's what it says. The adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? When we choose to put anything above God and anything in front of God, anything between us and God, we're committing spiritual adultery. That's pretty harsh words, but that's what James says. Is there something in your life like that? You're saying, no, I want to keep this. I don't care what God did for me. Nobody would actually say that. You, you couldn't say that. But sometimes that's where, how we act. We say, no, no, I want this more than I want Jesus. Oh, just give it up. Let the joy flood in. Let the peace of God keep your heart and mind. Whatever it is, it's not worth it. So number one, there's the uh, promise of victory. Sanctify yourselves, so important. But then there was the procession of the priests. The procession of the priests. Um, here's, here's something interesting. You know, sometimes uh, we can get, you know, our hearts right with God, right? And, you know, you have like a, uh, a revival meeting going on. And man, you're just super excited, man. God's doing an incredible work. But here's the thing. Monday hits, you know. And um, it's just kind of like almost... You, uh, you kind of forget some of the things that you've, you've learned or whatever. And, and you, you don't go out and share your faith. You, you, there was that evangelist out there and he's, you know, he's pounding on the pulpit and different things. And man, oh, that was great. And, but then Monday rolls around. And we, we don't do anything with this, with this purity that we have. We, we don't actually go out and, and reach people with this message that, that is so transformational and so powerful. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, the priests having the promise of God, right? That if they stepped out into the water, um, that there was going to be a miracle, right? It's kind of like them just knowing that and just kind of standing on the shore, just talking about it. You know, they have this knowledge of what could potentially happen, you know, if we were to step out, if we were to step out, the waters will part. Yes. This, and, you know, sometimes you and I, this is what we do a little bit. We kind of, and maybe, you know, it'd be kind of funny, right? You look at, maybe look at these priests there on the side of, of the River Jordan. And they're talking about what God's going to do. <laughs> you know, guys, if we step out into this water here, um, you know, it's, the waters will part. Isn't that cool? They're like, yeah, oh man, that's cool, yeah. Wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny is, is if they were standing there with the ark of God and they never actually took a step out? into the water. Wouldn't that be a funny thing? You know, they have the promise of God. This miracle's gonna happen. You know, all these thousands and thousands of people are like watching them. They're like, okay, God has said that you're going to, you know, it's gonna work, you know, if you step out into the water and they just stand there. They just stand there. Talk about it. Maybe they get really excited about it. Maybe they, they're saying amen amongst one another. You know, amen, this is great. You know, this, 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 the miracle will happen when we step out but then they didn't do anything about it. Well, there would be no story here. There would be no miracle. Sometimes that's what we do with the gospel. 
You know, we, we get excited about it and we think, oh man, this is, this is awesome. And you know, and especially after you've gotten right with God, oh, the joy of what you have is just phenomenal. Like, wow, this is amazing. God loved me enough that he died. But you see, there would not be any victory. There would not be any account of the water parting unless there had been the procession of the priests. You see, they needed to step out and say, God, we believe that this is true and we're going to act like it's real. You know what faith is? It's acting like the Bible is real. You know, sometimes we don't do that. You know, it says faith, it says in James, faith without works is dead being alone. You see, you see, you and I as, as Christians, you know, you go to a good church, you have a lot, of, a lot of knowledge and that's awesome. That, you know, not everybody has that. And count yourself blessed that you have that. That's phenomenal. But sometimes we confuse knowledge, what we know with faith. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Faith without works is dead. It's time for you to step out and watch for the miracle to occur. That's what happens when the gospel is preached. When you share the gospel with somebody. When, and you're right with God and you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You step out, you give a tract. Now, it's not to say that every single person, as soon as you give them a tract, is going to fall on their knees and say, what must I do to be saved? You know, that's not necessarily what's going to happen. But God wants us to go forward. And it's amazing who he'll bring into your path. You know, I was in, um, I was in Illinois this last, um, oh, I guess it would have been last June. I was looking for a meeting at, at, at uh, a church called Independent Baptist Church. And I look out across the way, and there's a, um, a mosque there. And I wasn't able to connect with the pastor, but that was okay. But I sensed the Holy Spirit tell me that I needed to go across the street because there was somebody there at the mosque that was ready to hear about Jesus. I don't, I mean, that's not, that's not something that happens every day, but it was this sense that just hit me, like, wow. Okay, and so I was like, all right, what am I gonna do? So anyway, what I did, is I went across the street and I'm trying to formulate a plan. I was like, okay, so if they're actually, if this is God actually leading me to do this and there's actually somebody here, what, how am I gonna, how is this gonna happen? And so I thought, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll just like ask for a Quran and I'll ask them to like show me from the Quran how I can know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. So, okay, that sounds like a plan. So I walk across the uh, street and I, or I walk across the, um, the parking lot rather and I hear this voice behind me. And the, I turn around, there's this guy there, and he says, says, hey, can I help you with anything? And I said, yeah, actually, um, I, I'm, a, uh, I, I'm just looking for somebody to show me from the, from the Quran how I can know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. He's like, oh, great, I, I, can get, I can get you a Quran. Gets me a Quran, we sit down, we start talking. We're talking for probably about 20 minutes. And he's explaining, and I realize that they don't have any hope whatsoever. They don't have, they don't have the gospel. They don't have the good news. And so I said to him, okay, well, thank you, um, you know, I said, well, I have to, I just have to share. I, I'm actually, I'm actually a, a seminary student uh, in, from Milwaukee. And, and as I was driving by here, I got the sense that there was somebody here that was looking for Jesus. And I said, and the guy's name was Hamed. I said, Hamed, I think that's you. And he, and he kind of just stopped and he looks at me and he says, you know, it's interesting that you would say something like that because when you met me in the parking lot just a minute ago, I was on my way to go and meet with a seminary professor. And we were going to talk about Jesus. 
I'm getting the chills at this moment. You know what I mean? I'm like, whoa. And then he says, and not only that, but there's been this girl from England that I've been talking to who's been talking to me about Jesus as well. And I said, Ahmed, do you know what this is? This is God reaching out to somebody who's sincerely reaching out to him. You know, it talks about that. You know, if you would just feel after him, he's not very far from any of us. And, I, and I'm thinking about this, I'm like, okay, so there's a seminary professor, an American, assumedly, uh, in, uh, somewhere in Illinois here who's witnessing to this guy. There's a girl from England who's been witnessing, and there's a Canadian evangelist who's converging on this guy. I think this guy's supposed to get saved. What do you think? You know? And so I was just like, wow. And, you know, if it had been me, I would have been like, okay, that's it. I'm getting saved right now. But he kind of argued with it. I was, I was confused by that. I'm like, what in the world? But you know what it did to my faith? It showed me that God is in, the, on the move today. And he's in the business of taking um, people who are rebels against him and reconciling them to himself. You know, God wants that to be what our life is like. But it only happens when we're walking with him, when we have that purity of heart. When, you know, when, when you have that purity of heart, uh, it, it's, it's not something that... Um, it's not something that, that you manufacture. Jesus does it for you. you. He purifies you. But there's then that openness where you can sense the Holy Spirit speaking and leading to you. You know, God can, I don't know how, again, I'm not an expert on how God reaches out to us. I don't know, you know, there's that song that talks about like, I know not how, you know, I don't know how God did this, but he did it and I'm saved. But God does a powerful work. And, and when you're open to him, when you're, you're listening to him, it's amazing what he'll lead you to do. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Such an important thing. Is there anything between your soul and the Savior today? You know, in, from this passage, uh, we see the importance of sanctifying ourselves and we see the importance of faithful obedience. Where are you today? You know, they stepped out into the water and they didn't just talk about it and they saw that miracle. The waters parted and it was incredible and they were able to march across Jordan. It was phenomenal. Is there anything between your soul and the Savior and are you taking those steps of obedience? You know, um, back, going back to the beginning of where we started here in the message, uh, there was a, um, there, there was that, the, the, the invasion of Dunkirk, right? Well, the invasion of Dunkirk was, um, was something that looked like it was going to be a colossal failure. And, 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 you know, it looks as though, again, the, the Germans were going to push them back into the sea. But Winston Churchill, the prime minister at that time, he actually gave a radio address. And in that radio address, he asked the people of really the Commonwealth all over the world to pray. He said, pray for our boys. Uh, we need the hand of God here. I don't know exactly how he said it, but that's what he said. And so people took him seriously and they began to pray. You know, it's amazing what happened. You know, historians, some historians, I guess Christian historians would, would bring this out, but historians say that there was a, a wall of fog that came over, covered everything up, which then made it very hard for the Stuka dive bombers that were flying above to actually pinpoint the targets there. They didn't have any heat imagery or anything during that time. And so they weren't actually able to drop the bombs where they needed to in order to wipe them out. And something else happened. There was an order given, I believe on May 26th, of, from the German high command. And the command was this, stop, stop the advance. So here's what the Germans thought. They thought the resistance was so easy that they were going to be walking into a trap. And so they backed off, which then allowed the, the British and the French and the Canadians to all 
to organize into one of the greatest rescue missions that has ever occurred really in the history of warfare. They organized and they were able to pull all those guys back. And they actually, I believe, if you look at the history, I believe saved the war effort. Do you know what that was? That was God being factored into an impossible situation. And don't let anybody tell you anything else. You know, historians try to explain it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, that, that's just kind of one of the things that happens, you know, in history. You know, people make decisions like that. No, no, no. There was a, there was a God in heaven who heard the prayers of, of his people and transformed an impossible situation. And that's what God wants to do in your life today. Believe that. On the basis of the word of God, believe it. Not in what I say, but believe that. And move forward with purity of heart and with faith-filled obedience. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And let's have everybody stand up, actually. And I want to give you an opportunity uh, to respond to what God's been doing in your heart. Um, you know, I think that it's so important to be decisive. Um, and so the piano will play here, and, um, and, and, and we'll have what's called an invitation. And as the piano plays, if there's something between your soul and the Savior, I just want to encourage you, either in the quietness of your seat or up here down by the altar, to get it right. Oh, there's nothing worth uh, uh, having that relationship strained, having something between you and God. Just get it right and, uh, and, and, and make a commitment. I'm going to step forward in faith-filled obedience. I'm going to, to watch the gospel work this week. So whatever it is, I don't know what God's been doing in your heart, but whatever it is, please just do what the Lord is calling you to do. Let him have his way this morning. Turn to number 482, Where He Leads I'll Follow, and we'll sing the first and the last. I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling, take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he I'll go with 
Brother Karim, would you close our service in prayer? Amen.